is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show, The Walking Dead. Hi, everyone. My name is Chris. And my name is Jason. And this is The Talking Dead number 505, recorded on Tuesday, November the 10th, 2020. Welcome to the program, everyone. Jason, how are you doing this week? I'm doing tolerable, I reckon. How about you? Tolerable, eh? Well, that's an interesting way to describe it, I guess. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Tolerable. Well, I can tolerate you. I'll just say That, that. That's great. How are you, Christopher? You know, I'm okay. I'm sitting on a new chair, and I'm not sure how it's going to go. We'll see. All right. Changed changed my chair up, so it could... I, I've been I've been using it for a couple of days already, but it doesn't feel quite right, because I was used to the old chair, which I had for years, so just getting, well, getting my ass groove into it, getting used to it, you know, making sure I can operate the recording equipment pr- properly. I don't know. We'll have to see how it goes. Well, you know, when you walk down the stairs or up the stairs, uh, in a subway station, right? You see the grooves in the, uh, in the marble or whatever they make the, the, like the stone steps. Yeah. You see the grooves for people where people walk and, and step on that thing over the many, many years. Yeah. So if marble can, uh, you know, form to the shape of people's feet over the course of many centuries, I'm sure your ass will be able to form itself into that chair in a short time time period. Well, the chair's not made of marble, but who knows about my ass? Your ass is marble. That I'm sure of. <laughs> it might be. I don't <laughs> think they make subway stairs out of marble, do they? Well, it's some kind of stone. Like, it's not made out of wood, right? It's concrete, probably, isn't it? Well, whatever. It's still concrete. Okay, it's, yeah. It's better than just concrete. It's not just, you know, concrete. Sure. It's concrete. It's, it's something, something special. <laughs> okay. Subway stair material. All right. Well... Uh, that's a good point. So I guess I'll get used to this chair. I don't know for now though. It's a little, a little weird, but I'm going to power through. Uh, speaking of powering through though, what are we going to do here on the podcast this week? We've got two episodes of different walking dead TV shows to talk about. That would be fear and world beyond. Mm -hmm. I've got a tiny little bit of listener feedback. I've got one thing in the walking dead news. And before all that, I want to talk about the ratings real quick as we do. Sure, 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 sure. So let's start with that. Um, World Beyond, episode number five, which we talked about last time, is called Madman Across the Water. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you what record it broke, Jason, first. And then you can take a stab at telling me what you think the ratings are. Sure. How about that? That sounds like a fun game. All right. So this episode, Madman Across the Water, had the lowest number of viewers for any episode of any Walking Dead TV show of all time. So with that knowledge in mind, how many millions of viewers do you think it got? 970,000. You're not too far off because it is under 1 million. Yeah. It is 0.74 million, so about 740,000 people. Yeah. That's even less than I thought. Now, of course, that's just the live broadcast numbers as reported on the uh, Wikipedia page for the show. But man, 740 million people. That is down. That is low. I mean, there are plenty of shows that get less than that, of course. But it's the lowest episode of any Walking Dead show ever. You know, (sighs) I, I, I don't. 
AMC can't be that happy about that. They just can't. Yeah, and I can see those numbers. This show is a dud. <laughs> well, it, it may be a dud. We'll get into that a little bit more when we get to the episode. We'll see. But I also have the numbers for Fear, episode four, which was the key, also talked about last week. And that one did suffer a rather significant drop from the episode before it as well, but it's still over a million because they got 1.28 million. Uh, the rest of the episodes this season have been in the sort of 1.5-ish neighborhood. So it's it's down too, but, you know, at least 1.2 mil. Yeah. And that's actually, you know, coincidentally, that's my target for uh, winning the lottery in the short term. I, you know, I'm not looking for big money. You know, 1.2 mil, I think that'd be that'd be okay. It would. That'd be enough to buy me a nice lunch, right? Yeah. Yeah. So that's, uh, yeah, it's, it's weird that 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 number came out like that, but that's, uh, that's my, that's my personal, uh, lottery target. Do you play the lottery often? Nope. Okay. Well, <laughs> it's going to be very difficult to hit that target. I realize that I'm not on track for, uh, hitting that milestone, but, uh, I have hopes and dreams, right? Totally. Like, like my mom buys me a lottery ticket and forgets, forgets to send it to me until it wins. And she goes, Oh, by the way, here's your lottery ticket. It's <laughs> worth $1.2 million. Thanks mom. <laughs> that would be awfully nice of her. Yeah. Uh, it would, it would, it would. Okay. Well, it could happen. It could happen. You could win $1.2 million and Fear the Walking Dead episode four actually got 1.28 million viewers. So there you go. See, I think that's nice. Well, those are the ratings. If you have any thoughts on that sub million rating on World Beyond episode five, let us know, but uh, it'll be interesting to see where it goes from here. And um, the other thing though, just incidentally, is I, I don't think that's going to have any impact on anything really, because we know the show has already been um, purchased for two seasons. Basically they're going to do two seasons, 10 episode each, and then that's it. So it's not well, like, it's not, it not can, like it can get canceled after season it, one. It, they could shit can it. I'm sure that the, uh, you know, purchased for the first two seasons, but they haven't spent the money for making them yet. Right. Oh, fair. So if it really does bad, they're just like, yeah, we're just going to call it that a loss and move on with our lives. I suppose that's possible. Um, I think there would be some people out there that would be rather disappointed by that. Uh, and if there is story that's important in season two, then they would have to repurpose that somewhere else. Because if it's important to the greater story or the greater Walking Dead universe, we need it. We need it out there somehow. So they'll have to get it out in other ways. Yeah. I mean, you just write a couple of lines in some other series to cover the exposition and you're done, right? It could be. Webisodes, they're probably cheaper to make, for yeah. example. Yeah. You don't need a, you don't need a whole series, you know, television show series to, uh, to explain something. You could probably just spit out a couple of lines, uh, that are absolutely necessary. Yeah. It's a fair point. And it is, is anything absolutely necessary? You know, that's another question, but yeah. Anyways, we'll see where it goes. All right, let's do our one Walking Dead news item. I'm not even sure it's worth playing the bumper, but I'm going to do it anyways. Okay. The Walking Dead News. All right, well, this was tweeted from the official AMC The Walking Dead Twitter account, and it is basically a schedule for the remaining episodes of Fear and World Beyond coming up over oh. the next few weeks. Okay. And there's couple things that are interesting in here. First of all, November 29th, 
will be the World Beyond season finale. That's notable because it's actually episodes 9 and 10 on that night. They're going to do both of them on the same night, um, with obviously number 10 being the season finale. So we don't have to wait that extra week for the show to end. World Beyond will end on November 29th with two episodes that evening. So if you're watching, uh, make sure you don't turn off the TV after one of them and go to bed because you're going to miss number 10. Yeah. My, uh, the, the most prevalent thing in my brain from that news right there is, Hey, that's going to be twice as long. (laughs) It is. It is (laughs) that week for sure. And here's the the thing I find really interesting though. Fear the walking dead is going to air what it's calling a finale on November 22nd. That's the week before the 29th. And the interesting thing about that is, A, they're not calling it the mid-season finale. It was written right on the thing, finale. And it's actually episode seven of season six, not episode eight. So they are ending fear for the half-season break at episode seven, not eight, and they're calling it a finale, not a mid-season finale. Is that weird? It's a little weird. I, I think so, too. Um, now, it could be completely, you know, just like they looked at the episodes and were like, you know what, seven works a little better as a as sort of a an end point for a break. So we'll we'll break with tradition this time and and take, you know, stop at seven and then we'll come back and do nine episodes sometime in the new year instead of eight. But it is a little bit weird. And and I think maybe they're calling it finale because mid season finale wouldn't fit on the, the graphic they did <laughs> sort of look, <laughs> right. sort of looked that way. Um, but I don't know. I just, I think it's weird that they're going seven instead of eight, unless this episode, this season is only 14 instead of 16, but all indications are that it's 16 because they haven't announced a change there. So I don't know. I think it's a little bit weird, but again, as if you're following along, fear the walking dead episode number seven will be on November 22nd. And that will be the last episode of that show for uh, the time being. And that's only two episodes from now because we're talking about number five tonight. Uh, so things are going to start wrapping up quick. Wow. That's actually pretty weird. I, I, I hope it's not because episode eight was a complete piece of garbage and they pulled it and said, we got to redo this. And said, well, we don't have time to do it for the finale, so we're going to do it for uh, you know, the second part of this season. And then somebody said, you know what? what if we waited a year and we just called season episode seven, the finale, and then we'll pick it up again next year. Uh, you know, give us more time to get our shit together. Yeah. I mean, my understanding is that they're, they're shooting the back half of the season right now, episodes, you know, eight through 16, I assumed. So I, I don't think we're going to have to wait a long time or an unusually long time for the second half of the season, but for whatever reason, I guess they just thought maybe number seven, good place to stop or there's like a big cliffhanger or something and they want to milk that as they have been known to do. So who knows, but I just thought I'd point it out because it's unusual and it's, they've never done this sort of thing before. Well, I can kind of understand it. I mean, there's a video game adage. I forget who the quote is from Uh Japanese game developer. Maybe he invented Pac-Man. Maybe it's the guy who did Donkey Kong. I don't know. Mario maybe, but he said that a, um, an early game or an on-time game that's bad is is forever awful. A video game that's delayed is eventually good. There you go. So, you know, by airing it right away, it's bad. 
But by delaying it, eh, we could make it a little bit better, even though <laughs> the fans have to wait. Well, let's hope that's the approach they're taking with the Rick Grimes movies, too, because we've been waiting forever for those things. And if they were bad, like a year and a half ago, maybe when they finally come out, they'll be good. No, that's just been kicked down the road. Like, they just kicked that can down the road as far as they could. Just like, yeah, I'll get to that. I'll get to that. I got some ideas. I got some ideas. And uh, and it keeps getting kicked down the road. And eventually they went, yeah, we should really get our shit together about this thing. What do you think? All right, I'll start writing it. <laughs> and then they, they're they working on it now. Somebody call Andy Lincoln and tell him to grow a beard. We're going to need that. I know the feeling, right? Where there's something you don't really feel like doing and it's going to be complicated and you can get away with putting it off. Generally, that gets put off. It generally does. I know that feeling. For me, anyway. (laughs) Absolutely. Um, I mentioned the beard thing because also this week, Andrew Lincoln was photographed in London with with a beard, kind of like a Rick Grimes beard. So everyone's like, oh my God, he's growing the beard. They must be getting ready to shoot. Oh my God. It means maybe nothing, but... He may just like having a beard. I don't know, but he does, so. Yeah, COVID beard. It happens. I like Lots. having a beard. I have a beard right now. Uh, I do not. I, mean, I, should, I could use a shave, but I don't have a beard. Okay. Well, that is The Walking Dead news, everyone. So keep that uh, schedule in mind. And we will, of course, record about all these episodes over the next uh, two, three weeks, I guess. And then both shows will be done. All right, a little bit of listener feedback next. Listener feedback. Our first item here comes from Trish, and it's a phone call. Hey, guys, it's Trish in Boston. Uh, Thought on the helicopter and Al going up to the roof. I thought she was on the walkie talking to the girl that she was looking for, and they had an inside joke or conversation about the beer. Because wasn't she calling that girl the beer lady or something? And it sounded like they were having a moment of, hey, I'm warning you, don't come near me. There's dead in here and there's the plague. And the person's reply at the helicopter was, hey, by the way, there's some beer for you. I thought that was a wink, wink. I know it's you. Go be safe. No? Am I right about that? Let me know what's your thoughts. All right, thanks, Trish. Yeah, I don't think there's any um, confusion over the fact that uh, Al was talking to Isabel, who yeah. Dwight was calling uh, Beer Lady, but that was only because Al didn't want to reveal her name. Um, so I don't think there's any confusion there, but the question that Trish raises for me is, did Isabel recognize Al's voice? Did did Isabel know who she was talking to, Is is the question. And I think the fact that she said, you know, there's some beer in there, have a beer, and how, you know, we know that Dwight was calling her beer lady. I think maybe we're supposed to put two and two together there and think, okay, Isabel knew who it was, but was playing it cool and didn't reveal to the people she was with that she has any uh, prior connection to, to Al on the roof. So I kind of like that idea. You know, the two of them got to chat. They sort of spoke in code. They knew each other. They knew they were talking to each other, but nobody on Isabel's side was the wiser. I like that. Yeah, I like that too. Have some beer means I love you. <laughs> In g- generally, I think so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can I can get on board with that. All right, well, that's that's good. I hadn't really thought about that before I listened to Trisha's call. So I, I just sort of assumed it was like, 
you know, Isabel was just a friendly person or whatever, and was taking this, uh, taking Al's advice on the roof to heart and they weren't going to land because of the plague. But I think maybe they were sort of speaking in code and they knew it was each other. And that's why maybe Al was so inclined to, to let her go and send her away and just, just talking to her was enough, but it's nice. Yeah. All right. This email comes from Cindy in Columbus, Ohio. Cindy writes, can you tell me how an embalmed cadaver can become a walker? I've always been under the impression that all your organs are removed. Uh, would that not include the brain? So organs removed during embalming. Any, I don't think uh, the organs are, well, maybe some of the organs are removed. I don't think they remove the brain. No, I looked up embalming and most of the time, according to the internet, actually organs are not removed from the body. So uh, they would all normally be there. And even if some are, you're right. The brain, I think, would generally stay because it's hard to get out, <laughs> right? Yeah, and they wouldn't remove the spinal column or, uh, you know, the nerves that go into your arms and stuff, which I assume is necessary for a zombie to articulate and mm-hmm. ambulate. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, I assume that, I guess, I, and uh, uh, correctly, that the brain was not removed. So it's all good. So you can embalm someone, they can still come back as a walker and look super creepy like I thought that lady did. Uh, yeah. All yeah, right. Yeah. Hopefully that clears it up for you, Cindy. But I mean, other than what I could find on the internet, I'm not exactly an expert on embalming, but sounds like it's possible to me. Mm-hmm. Okay. Andrew in Newfoundland wrote, I was listening to your podcast last week and thought about how far they have traveled so far. And he's referring to the gang on, on World Beyond. Mm-hmm. He said the campus colony is located in Lincoln, Nebraska, and by episode five, they were building a steamboat to cross the Mississippi. That means they covered approximately 500 kilometers in less than a week. Granted, Iowa is flat, but still. Oh, and the Mississippi in that area is between two and four kilometers wide, which is a decent way, but I still think constructing paddles would be uh, way easier than an engine. Yes. Uh, totally. I agree. Now, I'm not sure why Andrew knows that it was less than a week. Do we know that it's only been a week they've been on the road? I'm not so sure. Uh, you know, to be fair, I'm not paying that close of attention to catch that level of detail, <laughs> but I don't know of any time frame that has been given. Yeah, it, it, maybe it was said, maybe there was a hint in there somewhere. I. I'm not sure, um, but if we take Andrew's word for it, 500 kilometers in a week is it's pretty good on foot, I would say. Tis. I don't know that I could get that far on foot in a week, uh, but they seem to have, and yeah, we were debating about the, how wide the Mississippi is, and, you know, two to four kilometers. That is pretty wide. Uh, you know, a lot yeah. of people wouldn't want to swim that far, but I think he's right. Paddles, <laughs> paddling a raft would not be out of the question. With like six of them, especially. I wouldn't want to swim the length of a pool. <laughs> yeah. Well, I actually, since the last time I've been in a pool and it's been a while, granted, uh, I probably float a lot better than I used to. So it's probably okay. <laughs> Why's that? <laughs> I'm fatter, Chris. Oh, oh, oh. And, and fat floats. <laughs> it does. Okay. I know the feeling. <laughs> <laughs> there was a point in my life where if I held my breath, I swear to God, I sank to the bottom of the pool. Well, 
Not and, many people believe that, but it was true. I was 19 years old. I had just finished basic training. I was a mass of muscles. And if I went into a pool or a body of water and I held my breath, I fucking sank. If you blew out all your breath and held it, if you breathe no. it in, your lungs are full of oxygen. You're going to float I, then. I could take a deep breath and I would sink to the bottom. Well, I'm not kidding. Uh, that doesn't make sense to me. I'm also, generally speaking, I'm a very dense individual. And, you know, I say that physically, not just <laughs> mentally. Uh, my wife uh, tells me that all the time. If I put my arm around her, I can't use all my weight because it just, I'm, and that's been like since our entire relationship. And uh, like I mentioned before, I'm fatter now. So even at the beginning of the relationship, it was, uh, can you get your arm off of me? It's too heavy. <laughs> so I'm, I, I'm a dense individual. Get your giant meat hook of an arm off of me. Get that hunk of meat off of me. Right. <laughs> anyway, that's a weird aside. I forgot what we're talking about. Uh, uh, Mississippi. Crossing Clement. the Mississippi, yes. Gotcha. Still don't want to do it. Uh, no, I hear you. Okay. Uh, anyways, thank you, Andrew, for that. Um, maybe we'll figure out how long they've been on the road for uh, in some future episode, but he thinks about a week. Cool. Okay, let's... Talk about the episodes this week, Jason. We're going to start with Fear, The Walking okay. Dead. Sure. It is season six, episode five. It is titled Honey. Although I think an alternate title for this one could be Fear the Walking Dead, colon, Civil War. Because <laughs> <laughs> it could be. There were some friends and they disagreed in this one for, for a while. Um, I thought this episode should be called Stop That. No, you stop that. No, stop that. Stop that. You stop that. <laughs> I'm not touching you. I'm not touching you. <laughs> it just, it seemed like a lot of people running around making other people stop what they were doing and talking them out of it. Uh, it, it kind of did, but like, did you like it? I'm not sure. It kind of irked me because I lost track of who was stopping who from doing what for what reason. And it was, it turns out it's all the same reason. So like, you don't, I don't want to let you become that person. So I'm going to stop you from doing what you want to do. Uh, I don't know. It seemed all, it, it kind of bothered me, but I, overall I kind of liked it. I liked the idea of, uh, at least they weren't skin masks. They were just like regular masks, uh -huh. but they had an extra for Dwight, which I thought was weird. How did they make those masks? Did they, you know, did they go into a party palace and say, we need all the, I'm not even sure what they were. Were they kind of hockey masks? No, they Did they make their own masks. paper mache masks on a balloon? Cause you could do that. Yeah. I, it, I don't know. It, kind of felt like they were, I don't know, carving them off mannequins or something. I, I don't know. Oh, there were mannequins lying around, weren't there? There were. They yeah. were mannequin faces. Okay. Thank you, Christopher. All that right. helps me a lot. I, 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 I said that, you know, sort of skeptically because I'm not sure how easy it would be to do that, but maybe it's not so hard to like carve the back of the head off of a mannequin and put its face over yours. If the whispers can do it to zombies, yeah. they can do it to mannequins. Good, good point. It's way less gross. It is, yeah. And it might even be easier because you don't have to dry out the skin and all that stuff, so. Yeah, yeah. You just, you know, get a hacksaw or a knife or something and get yourself a mask. Get yourself a mannequin face. Yeah. Well, I don't know, man, but like, to me, this episode was pretty good. I liked it. I thought I, I really enjoyed watching Dwight and, and everybody perform on this one. I thought it was entertaining. I thought the masks were kind of cool. I thought the concept of, of this group of people, incidentally, they're called the white mask rebels. Uh, that's what the, the, uh, walking dead wiki is referring to them as not very inventive, but okay. But that's what it is. Um, they're the WMR, 
right? We can call them oh, that. Okay, sure. Of course. But I, I thought it was kind of a cool concept that these were like outcasts or people on the run from Ginny and they wore the masks so that her rangers wouldn't see their faces and realize that, you know, a group of former uh, um, members of her um, colonies were sort of banding together. I thought that was a cool idea. And I was like, what the hell? Fear the Walking Dead is good again because we've had five episodes now and all five, well, four, in my opinion, have been pretty good and one has been okay. And like, there's been nothing bad this season when all last season was a garbage fire. So it's weird, man. Like, I feel weird about feeling this way about fear now. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, the, overall, I think I, I like this episode. I just, I think it had some, I have some questions and uh, it just, it seemed to go back and forth a lot on people stopping people from doing something that would hurt themselves or yeah. make them become somebody they don't want to be. Well, they, again. Right. That, and that, that's a thing that fear has had for a long time now, right? Like becoming somebody new. We, we've been through this with Strand this season. You know, Morgan has transformed yet again. Yep. So it's becoming something new or going back to what you were or reminding you of reminding someone else of what you used to be, all those kind of things. I get that. But I think this one, you can actually remove that level of complexity and just stick with the idea of they steal the MRAP and one group wants to attack Ginny right now. And Morgan says, no, that's a mistake. And then right. the, all the sort of flip-flopping is people arguing for those two sides. And it's really just Dwight, right? Dwight is like, great idea, Morgan, let's not attack now because it puts our people in danger. But, oh, great idea, Sherry, my wife, to attack now because we want to get this done. And like Dwight's torn. He wants to listen to both because who doesn't want to support what your spouse is doing, but also, but that not isn't necessarily the best approach. So I, I get Dwight's sort of uh, internal struggle here. Yeah. And I get it too. One of the things I liked was, uh, Sherry, uh, the reasoning that she had for killing Ginny right away and for not missing this opportunity was really good because she said she had a thousand chances or a million chances or some hyperbolic number, uh, of killing Negan and she didn't take it. Right. Yeah. Uh, and so she doesn't want to do that again. You know, and that's different than I've done bad things. I want to do good things now to make up for it. That's a, I have a personality flaw or I did, I feel like I failed before in this very situation and I don't want to fail again. And I liked that reasoning. Me too. And I mean, that was really my main note here about how this episode um, was influenced by the larger Walking Dead universe, right? It was really that Sherry is still traumatized by what Negan did to her, first of all, but as you said, also by how she reacted to it and wasn't able to take action to stop what he was doing, you know, back then. And I thought actually this was really kind of a clever storyline that they introduced to have her, you know, um, feeling sort of guilty for that, have a certain amount of like PTSD from her experience with Negan, right? Because obviously being a, uh, being one of his harem of wives is not going to be a pleasant experience, you wouldn't think. And when you think about it, we know, the viewers know that Negan is now a semi-reformed person, 
uh, on the main show. Uh, that doesn't, I'm not trying to say that that sort of forgives whatever he did, but he's certainly um, at least a, a partial member of the group now on the main show. Sherry, as the character, has no idea about any of that, right? Yep. I, I, I read an article about this episode and the author of the article said it this way. He said, Sherry is fighting a war she doesn't know is over, right? right. She's still fighting against Negan, but Negan has been in jail for six years and has come out the other side. Now, within the time frame of the Walking Dead universe, Fear the Walking Dead is not six years ahead. Um, they are only a couple of years in. So it's, you know, it doesn't line up that way. But at the same time, Sherry doesn't realize that Negan isn't inflicting the same things on people anymore. So um, I think it's a really clever storyline and I liked it. And I agree with you that it was a great sort of reason to have Sherry be so uh, determined to take out Ginny right now, right? She yeah. doesn't want to let her go on hurting people. And if Ginny had shown up in that uh, cavalcade of uh, people that came to give the initial overture, as uh, Dwight put it, uh -huh. uh, if Sherry was there, uh, she would have pulled the trigger. You mean like, if there's no... If Ginny was there. Sorry, if Ginny was there, Sherry would have pulled the trigger uh, without any... Regardless of what Dwight had said, I believe. The only reason that he was able to talk her out of it was because Ginny wasn't in the group. Yes. Yeah, I would agree with that too. Um, I personally am, am, am on Morgan's side, right? If you, if you strike now, it's too uncertain. And if it doesn't go your way, then Ginny escapes and Ginny exacts her revenge on your friends who are in her community. So I'm kind of on Morgan's side there, but you're right in this situation. Had Ginny been standing there in that parking lot or whatever amongst the cars and you could just open fire and take them all out, that... <laughs> You know, I hate to say it, but that is the thing to do at that moment. <laughs> yeah. And uh, as the Klingons used to say, uh, revenge is a dish best served cold. Right. Which is the best thing Star Trek has ever written, by the way. I think that's the best line ever in Star Trek. Even, even above, beam me up, Scotty. Oh, yeah. I didn't know that was a Star <laughs> Trek line. I assumed that term was much older than Star Trek. No, it was, it's an old Klingon proverb. Oh, interesting. All yeah. right. Uh, from uh, Next Generation. You never watched Next Generation, which is why you don't know that. Or any Star Trek, for that matter, really. So, yes. You watch the movies, right? I've... Uh, well, the, the Calvin Timeline movies? I, I've seen one or two of the new, like the recent movies. -ish, yeah, it's called the the Calvin, movies. Calvin Timeline. Okay, sure. I don't know. <laughs> and and I did see The Search for Spock, like the original one, but I, okay, I, don't, good. I don't know about the others. Um... So, I mean, I guess the only other thing Walking Dead Universe related here, and this is sort of loose, but like Dwight, when he's torturing that guy, I felt like he reverted back into savior mode a little bit, tortury Dwight. Um, he seems really serious about it at, in the moment, what he's doing. And they use music to torture him, just like they used music to torture Daryl, remember? Uh, yeah. Different song, same, same idea though. Um, and, and again, like Sherry kind of questions Dwight a little bit here. She says, were you really going to kill that guy or let the dog eat him? Um, but, uh, you know, so I think Dwight realized pretty quick though, that he's not tortured Dwight anymore. Yeah. I'm not sure that, 
I'm not sure he would have let the dog eat him. Because where do you go from there, right? Yeah. Like, you, you don't, if the guy refuses to give you information and you go from uh, talking to the guy to uh, threatening to kill him with a dog, like, that that escalated pretty quickly and there's nowhere to go above that. If he still says no, what do you do? Like, you can't go anywhere. You don't do anything. So the the actual act of torturing him was uh, was a failure on Dwight's part. So I'm not sure that uh, Dwight would have gone all the way through with it. But uh, yeah, I'm not even sure that dog would have gone all the way through with it because uh, the guts were all over his stomach and lap. And then the dog was standing on his knees to bark at his face. I mean, yeah. so the dog probably would have chawed into some genitals pretty damn quick. Uh, so I don't even think the dog was really into it. I mean, the dog might have just licked him clean and then moved on his way, you know? Well, you know, dogs get confused and excited, you know? That's true. They start eating something and then next thing you know, they've chewed through the leg of a chair. Right? <laughs> I've seen it happen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I don't know. You're right. I think, I think uh, it wasn't a great interrogation, but... In, in either way, I mean, in any case, uh, Sherry sort of questioned it and Dwight in the end, I think realized his, his mistake. Right. Um, so if we can go back for a minute though, um, I did want to point out that the, the leader who I guess is the leader of the, uh, the white mask rebels was a guy named Roly, and he was the dude that was formerly with Logan's group. Remember yeah. Logan? From I do. last year. So I guess he got mixed up with Ginny. Well, he did at Tank Town, they said. Remember, Tank Town was the I do. The oil refinery. And so he's back. That's cool. I thought that was kind of fun. Um I like the, the name Rolly. Rolly? Yeah. It's short for it's Roland, right? Short for Roland. Yep. I would so assume. Rolly. Yeah. Rolly's a good name. It is good. Um they steal Al's van, they call it sometimes. They steal her MRAP. They want to use it against Ginny. What did you think about the whole MRAP horseback heist sequence? Well, it would have been better if the whole thing was on rails and it wasn't train robbery because it felt like a train robbery. But, uh, you know, the thing about trains is they have a hard time turning Yeah, when uh, they're being chased by people on horseback. Uh, an MRAP or the van, Al's van, pretty sure it can turn in any direction it wants. And that looked like a pretty wide open field. It did. So you're saying it should have like sideswiped the horses and just taken them out. Well, even when it did try to sideswipe the horses, what it did was it hesitated. It moved a little bit to give them a lot of warning. Like obviously this was a, a, you know, a stunt decision, but it seemed like he moved a little bit to give them a lot of warning so that the horses could move out of the way and then actually turned. Right, it was a little warning turn and then mm-hmm. an actual turn. So if he wanted, if you're ch- being chased by horses. Uh, start turning, right? <laughs> I'm sure horses can turn, but you know, having a horse um, turn, they have to slow down to do it. They can't just do it at high speed, or they make big wide turns, yeah. which is fine. Either way, you can do tighter turns. If the horse slows down to turn and then has to speed up. It, you know, horses get tired. They can't go flat out for a very long time. And if they slow down and speed up and slow down and speed up, you're going to wear out the horses. And this is a goddamn vehicle that just got a fresh load of fuel, you know? Mm-hmm. You know, jump on the gas, drive around in circles. They can't jump on if you're driving around in circles, right? If you're trying to outrun them, you know, maybe you could clip a couple of them if you drive in, in the right circle and confuse them enough. It's like, at that point, it becomes a naval battle. <laughs> 
right? You start maneuvering for, and you have your, uh, your broadsides as well, right? He's got the broadsides. He just opened up on them and left it open, even though they were too close to shoot. It's like, stop pulling the trigger, dumbass. Yeah. They're too close. You know what your range is, minimum range, maximum range, I assume. So his tactics were, uh, were horrible and train-like. So this was supposed to be a train robbery. And it, it was. It was. <laughs> well, all of your points are valid, but I still thought it was a really good scene. I, I really enjoyed it. As soon as I realized we were going to get a horseback train heist of the MRAP, I was like, okay, I hope this is good. And then by the end of it, I thought it was great because even the way it started, when they're sitting there under the tree on the horses and they're waiting for the thing to come along, the music was fantastic. It's this sort of repetitive, like thumping baseline type thing. And there was some semi slow-mo shots of like the horse's feet and like people gripping the reins and just getting ready. And I loved all that. And, uh, then it kicks into gear and like, they're just going full blast after this thing. I thought it was fun. It was exciting. It wasn't the most realistic, but I think they did a great job and, and, uh, I'm, I'm happy we got to see it. Okay. So, and, and it should have hit, and the damn thing should have had at least two people in it, right? Well, yeah, you never go out without a buddy. It's a buddy. It's a buddy system. You got to have somebody riding shotgun if you're going to, you know, even if it was a stage coach, coach robbery rather than a train robbery, which is sort of a little bit better. Uh, at that point, you have somebody riding shotgun. And why is the guy riding shotgun? Because the driver's busy driving. Right. And you need somebody to protect the driver. Right. So you put somebody in the AMRAM riding shotgun in case anybody sneaks in because you forgot to close the gun doors. Uh, you have somebody uh, to protect you. And then t- and then the fight between him and Dwight, the driver and Dwight. It's just like Dwight's get he gets in there. He's got a gun. He's got the upper hand. He goes, you're out of ammo, but I'm not. And gives the guy like, what? four seconds to react before he uh, does anything. And then they have a fight and Dwight loses the gun. Yeah, immediately. He lost the initiative stupidly and very quickly. Quickly, It's true. It's true, I know. But he he, he ended up kicking the guy out of the door. So it worked out. Yeah, it was very Indiana Jones. (laughs) That's right. That's right. (laughs) Which is okay. Yeah. It's okay. You know, that was a good scene in Indiana Jones. Sure. Well, I thought the whole thing in this was good too despite all these little things, but. At least in Indiana Jones, they were stuck on a road. They were driving on a road with a cliff on one side going up and a cliff on the other side going down. Mm -hmm. They didn't have a choice. You know, if they had fenced this guy in or picked a spot where he was, uh, you know, bottled in somehow, that would have made more sense. But this was the biggest wide open field that I've ever seen on any of the Walking Dead shows. That's a good point. Yeah. He could have just driven in circles, like you said. Yeah, which is what I would do. And then driving in circles. And then Morgan shows up at the end, like towing the guy who fell out behind him. Like, how awesome was that? It's Morgan shows up and everyone's (laughs) excited to see him. It was amazing. I got two two problems with this. This is turning into a nitpick picnic. And I know, and I know, and I know. And it was cool, but it was awfully quick right after uh, they stopped and nobody else saw him. Like they were all chasing the Amram. The guy fell out the, uh, out the door and then everybody else rode past him and didn't see him. And then nor did they see Morgan and Morgan had time to tie this guy up and then start fucking sauntering down the road. And then he said, did you lose something? And then he said, I found it. 
that <laughs> second line was absolutely not necessary. And it was author intrusion. It's like, oh, did you really have to write that? Did we really need to know that you found it after you said, did you lose something? Yeah. Clearly he line. did. Clearly he did find it. Yes. Yeah. You're, you're <laughs> so. dragging it behind your horse. So. Well. But, it, but the, the imagery was cool. I think it could have been done better. Maybe you're right. Maybe you're right. But I go for imagery, I guess, because <laughs> I thought it was cool. <laughs> um, so that, that was fun. What else did we learn from this episode? Oh, here's something important that like I predicted, Sherry, uh, did not save Morgan. What I mean is I predicted that she did and I'm wrong because we are, we learn here that Sherry did not save Morgan, you know, uh, back at Humbug's Gulch when, after Ginny shot him at the end of last season. Does that make me right? Cause I don't think I agreed with you. You, I remember correctly. you, you did not agree with me. You said okay. it was probably a new character. So now the question is who the hell is it? Um, we are going to find out we've been told, but we don't know. And so is it indeed somebody new or is it somebody else from the show's past? I don't know, but I'm hmm. curious, extra curious now. Here's my thinking on this. Um, I think it would be weird if it was a new character because as we, as viewers don't have any connection to this person, it's just a random person that showed up and saved Morgan, like our main hero, basically. Right. So, so why would they do that? Um, it doesn't make any sense. And we know that it's not any of the, like the primary group, like it's not Alicia, it's not Strand, it's not John Dory, it's none of those, it's not Grace, it's none of these people that we know. So it's not Daniel, right? So, so who is it? If it's not one of them and it's not a new character, it's got to be someone else from the show's past. Dakota? Oh, Dakota's a good choice. <laughs> uh, why else are they introducing her? Yeah. Well, for exposition, right? Yeah. Uh, so maybe it was Dakota. I don't know. Oh, uh, I bet you just nailed it. I mean, why would Dakota be there though? Like Ginny was there with some of her people. Was Dakota, like did D Dakota stow away? We've seen her stow away on a truck in episode yeah. two. Did she stow away and Ginny didn't realize Dakota was there? But then how does Dakota get back by herself after everyone leaves? I mean, I guess she could have ridden a horse or walked or whatever. I think you may be onto something. Yeah, it's the only thing I can think of, right? It's the only character that has that capability that has been introduced already. Yeah. Uh, unless it's somebody from, like you say, from the past uh, that we haven't seen before. Maybe it's Heath, right? So maybe Heath sh is shown up in this show now. Well, Heath is with the CRM. So, I mean, in theory, I guess it's possible. Actually, I don't know. The, the timeline gets confusing because did Heath go to the CRM before or after the current time frame of this show? Do we know he's with the CRM? We do, yeah. From in the show or from outside the show? Uh, from outside the show. Okay, so not in the show we know that. Yeah, I don't uh, think we know that in the show. But we do know that. Okay, I got you. Yeah. But anyways, it's Dakota. I'm I'm on board with that theory right now. It just makes sense. Yeah, I don't sense. think there's any other hero characters that make sense at this point. No, no, you're probably right. Okay, well, let's go with that until uh, we're told otherwise. Sure. Um, I think one other interesting note about this episode was there was not a single walker in it until the very, very end when uh, 
um, you know, I, I was thinking about this, even when they're torturing the guy and you expect him to bring in a walker, like a zombie to, to threaten him with, they bring in a dog instead. Uh-huh. And then there isn't walkers until the end when they use Al or Dwight's like f- fake our death, uh, system to try and convince Ginny that him and Al are dead. Instead, they've moved on and gone with, uh, with, um, Morgan. So that those are the only zombies we see in the whole episode. I thought that was neat. Why did they put a bag over the zombie's head before they beat it in the face with a shovel? Um, I guess that's for the camera. Because if you started beating somebody in the face with a shovel, that's pretty graphic, zombie or not. Yeah, it is. But come on, we've seen things like that a million times on this show. Well, we've seen hit, kill, hit, kill, hit, kill, hit, kill kind of thing, right? Right. Or struggle, struggle, struggle. We haven't seen somebody repeatedly smacked in the face with a shovel. Okay. It's pretty harsh. Well, are you sure? We've seen Rick bite a guy's neck out. I mean, we've seen some pretty brutal things. I I was thinking it's just, I don't know, maybe it would help them not accidentally, like, destroy the brain or puncture into the brain. Skulls are soft, but burlap sacks are really hard. I don't know. (laughs) Keep all the pieces together. I don't know. Right? Maybe. It's, I don't know, it was a little weird to me, but that's okay. It was, but whatever. I mean, that was, we knew we were going to see this at some point because Dwight talked about it, you know, the other the other episode and here, here they are. So there we go. And finally at the very end, as they're leaving, they take Nora and the other office tower people. So Morgan really is got a community going now, right? He's got 10 or 15 people to help, help him build whatever it is he's building. Yeah. I still don't think the lake, that the drained lake bed is a great idea. I mean, sure. It shows up as a lake on a map, but there's still people wandering around, right? You don't think somebody would stumble across uh, what used to be a lake and go, shit, this used to be a lake. It's not a lake anymore. Hey, there's buildings. Oh, look, there's crops. Yep. I wonder what's going on here. Well, that's right? the thing. I mean, people might not go there specifically because they look on a map and they say lake, unless they're looking for a lake and then they get there and we're like, hey, there's no lake anymore. And that's it. Oh. Yeah. So I, we- I hear you. Um. But it, what you do maybe, is you put together a fucking wagon train and you get the F out of Dodge, right? You know, Jenny doesn't, you know, she's got uh, a wide area of influence, but it doesn't go for thousands of miles like the CRM, for example. Mm-hmm. You just, you know, you put together a wagon train, head out. And just keep going. Well, they seem to think that, I mean, they've, that, that idea has come up, right? And everyone seems to be like, oh, Jenny will hunt you down. But I guess eventually she'd have to give up the chase, right? Why would she hunt these people down if they're gone? Like, if they're hanging around in her neighborhood, fine. But, you know, why spend the resources to hunt every single person down? Mm -hmm. Especially if you can find a zombie that sort of looks like them and you could pass it off as... Because I'm thinking this would be an advantage for Ginny, right? The reason that she's hunting people down is to prove that she hunts people down, so don't even bother trying to run. Right. Yep. This is what that's this is her goal. So if she's out there hunting people down and they come back as zombies, then her problem's solved, right? Mm, so maybe don't hunt people down. Hunt them down for a while, make a show of it, and then if you can't find them and they're gone, find a couple of close resemblance zombies and put a bag over the head and then beat them with a shovel. I mean, she might be worried about the very thing that the uh white mask rebels are trying to do is like you know, band together. If she, if she lets someone go, they might find others. They might band together, form a rival community and then overtake her, which is exactly what they're trying to do. So maybe that's what she's afraid of, but I don't know. It could happen 
even anyways, right? With just strangers. So Yeah, but then again, why bother building a community based on fear and uh, oppression? I mean, the whole point is to have a working society. And if you build something on, based on fear and oppression, at some point you're going to get overthrown. Every single one has in history, not every single one probably, there's probably lots of examples of ones that weren't overthrown, but damn it, there are plans, right? Right. People planning to overthrow the oppressor. I mean, look at Star Wars, right? Star Wars is a perfect example of that thing. But that happened a long time ago in a far off galaxy. So who knows? So totally different. <laughs> yeah, totally different. Right. But, you know, you build it on, uh, you know, trust and you build a nice society where everybody wants to be there. And if they don't, you're like, well, here's some supplies. Good luck. If you run across anybody who wants to join a community, send them our way. Come on over. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, it just, it. <laughs> It'd be better. It'd be better for everybody and more productive uh, to have uh, a welcoming society rather than an oppressed one. I guess. Maybe, maybe though, it's, um, it's, it, it works. Uh, maybe it works once you're a certain size. Like, look at the CRM. Like, they come and they came and eliminated a 9,000 person community in the campus there. Um, for some reason. For some reason, yeah. <laughs> But, you right. know, it's a show of, of might, but I don't to know. To who, though? To who, they didn't exactly. Tell, they didn't tell anybody about it. Nobody knows about it. No. What did they do that for? It's a really good question. Well, speaking of that, let's take a really quick break. And when we come back, we will talk about The Walking Dead will be on. All right, welcome back to the program, everyone. Before we get into The Walking Dead World Beyond, I want to take a moment to thank uh, someone who has recently become a new patron by visiting patreon.com slash thetalkingdead, and that is Henrik N. Thank you so much, Henrik, for hitting the Patreon link and making your uh, small monthly pledge. It is very much appreciated. If you would like to be like Henrik, you can become a Patreon too. That link again is patreon.com slash the talking dead. You can pledge as little or as much as you want every month to help support the show. And if that's not your cup of tea, you can also make a one-time donation via PayPal by going to talkingdeadpodcast.com slash PayPal. Thank you so much to everyone who listens and everyone who contributes. We really, really appreciate it. All right, Jason, The Walking Dead, World Beyond, episode six. It's called Shadow Puppets. And I'm going to start here with an email from Laura in Charlotte, North Carolina. Laura writes, listen, 
I know we ask a lot of you guys to put out a show once a week, but dudes, I need you to watch The World Beyond for us. Take one for the collective team. It's so bad, I can't. The cheesy music, the voiceovers, the brooding stares, it's beyond awful. It's like a teenage drama and I just can't. So please, for the love of God, act like everyone else in a group in high school and do the work for us. <laughs> Thank you, Laura. All right. <laughs> so we are, we are going to do the work for you, Laura. Um, I agree that this show is not very good, but I actually didn't mind this episode, strangely. Yeah, I, I will continue to do it, but I'm not going to like it. I can't, I can't, uh, I can't fake it. Um, I'm doing this. For the, for the greater, protest. for the greater good. For the, for the greater good. Yeah. All right. So, and I'll stop complaining about having to do it. Okay. Well, You're this. making me to do it. This episode is directed by Michael Cudlitz. There is that. That's good. You know, Michael Cudlitz. Cool. Um, but as I was saying, I actually, I, I have not been enjoying this show very much for some of the reasons that Laura mentioned in her email. But I thought this episode wasn't the worst, um, and I'm not sure why. I found it weird at times and unusual, and it went in strange directions. But at the same time, you know, it, dude shows up at their campsite, so it picks up right where we left off the episode before. The guy with the stick shows up. He's there. He leads them to on what they think is a mission to get a vehicle which in a way makes sense for this group. It'll make their trip a lot quicker instead of walking. And he ends up double-crossing them because he's working with his uncle and they're kind of con men who steal people's stuff. But then end up being kind of nice guys and join the group anyways. <laughs> so, a couple of things. Sure. One, first of all, once Pete Hornberger showed up, it was a lot better. Right. Uh, Pete Hornberger being the actor uh, who played Pete Hornberger on 30 Rock, uh, he was in this show and yes. he's great and he's an underrated actor and I want to see him in everything. So I'm glad he was here. Okay, good. I'm, I'm happy you feel that way. Scott adds it is his real name. Uh, yeah. Wonderful, wonderful actor. I like him a lot. Um, let's talk about what needed to go perfectly in order for this con, uh, that they've, they've done repeatedly. As they said, they've done this a dozen times or a bunch of times. Uh -huh. Let's talk about what needed to go exactly right for this con to work. Okay. Uh, they have to run into a group of people that uh, accept him into uh, talk, allowing them to talk to them instead of just either A, killing him or being B, telling him to fuck off. Mm -hmm. So, okay. So that's the first thing that has to go perfectly right. The second thing is that he has to talk about some things that are inconsistent and the group has to catch it. It's like, how did you get from point A to point B in such a short time period? Uh, they stole your car, didn't they? Right. Right. Okay. So they have to figure that out. They have to accept his story is true. Then they have to go to the town, which I'm pretty sure was Sonoy, Georgia. Uh, no, the show, the show shoots in Texas. So it wasn't. Oh. Yeah. Not Sonoy. I thought it was Sonoy for sure, but whatever. Uh, they have to go to this town and uh, Hornberger has to drive by at the exact right time, uh, which is weird because how do you time that? But that, that also has to go perfectly right. Uh -huh. Then they have to show up at the, at the truck. They find uh, Hornberger dead, uh, pull him out of the truck without, you know, 
Uh, I assume, okay, it looks like a bullet hole to the head, so they don't have to kill him. So th- there's that. But they pull him out of the truck without, like, just dumping him on the side of the road, like just yanking him out and potentially hurting him or making, making him go, oof, because that could happen. Yeah. Then they leave him by the truck. They have to leave him by the truck. That's very important for that to happen. Then they all have to split up and leave their gear by the truck, which makes sort of sense because they're planning on taking the truck. So where else are they going to leave the gear? Uh, then they have to go off and... But, yeah. But the point is it they, has to happen, right? Like <laughs> Yeah, it, it has to happen. Yeah. You're right. They don't take their gear with them. Uh-huh. You know, carry it with them instead of just leaving it in a pile. Uh, then they have to go into the building and hear the zombies splashing around in the bath. Splish, splash, I'm taking a bath, but not moaning because they can't hear any of the moaning. Like when they went into that room and the zombie was in there, he was not only splashing around, he was moaning. And we know that zombies do the, uh, uh, do the walker versus lurker thing where if a zombie doesn't have any food input or people input, it just sits there. Yep. Right. We know that that happens. This zombie can't do that. Right. It has to be a splish splash zombie. And I assume that they're doing this kind of scam up and down the road, not just in this single location. Uh, but anyway, so whatever location they go to, they have to find a zombie in a bathtub. That's okay. Or some kind of distraction, whatever. Then, uh, he finds the keys in the guy's pocket and they sneak out of there without anybody wanting to kill the person in the bath. Because they know he's a bad guy. Like, even if they think he's human, they know he's a bad guy. They know he's in the bath. He's vulnerable. Open the door and whack him on the head, right? That cannot happen, Yep. right? For whatever reason. Then when they're about to leave, he has to stop and say, that's my stuff. Here, take the keys. I'm going to get my stuff. I'll meet you back at the truck. Whoever's with him has to accept that instead of just going, your shit's right there. Just grab it. Let's go. Yep. Grab it and go. (laughs) Okay. Uh, And then... Uh, the, and then Hornberger has to be able to wake up, see that nobody is guarding this stuff, throw it in the back of the truck and then drive off without Mm -hmm. anybody that's guarding the stuff being able to come after him. How many things is that? Is that 12 things that all have to go perfectly for this, uh, this scam to work? At least. I have, I have doubt. I have a doubt. (laughs) Well, I mean, this is the problem with the show. The whole thing is, is dumb. The characters are ridiculous and, you know, there, there's so many examples of that and so many ways you can sort of outline all this in every episode. Um, you've just done a really good job sort of of this one of like, as soon as you look any deeper than absolute surface level, you realize that none of this makes any sense. So, you know, if you stay to surface level, there's some entertainment to be had. At least I found some in this episode, but you're right. I mean, if you, if you keep going from where you were going, like, you know, I, I guess she doesn't have to fall in the, uh, the garbage, um, the, uh, the dumpster, but it certainly didn't hurt. Um, and right. then, well, that was after she went back and, and fucked up the plan. Right. Cause he said, nobody ever has ever come back. Oh, that's true. Yeah. So that wasn't part of the plan. No, I guess not. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so <laughs> it's just too much stuff, too much stuff to, uh, to, it's just not a good plan because there's no way all of those things would play out like they expected them to. Yeah. Maybe once, but you know, a bunch of times. 
I don't know. Maybe they had uh, contingency plans up the wazoo, right? They had like four different ways this could have gone, mm-hmm. and this is the way it went this particular time. Mm, maybe. I don't know. And they did say that this is how they make their, how they make their living without hurting anybody. Yeah. Well, they also said too, they go into communities and like perform. So. (laughs) Yeah. They're, they're minstrels. That's fine. Yeah. Uh, so that, that's all good. But if you're in the zombie apocalypse and everybody's like scrambling to survive and they're on their last legs and they're probably barely close to, to be surviving in the first place, then you take all their stuff. That's fucking hurting them. It right? is. That really is probably going to cause them to die, right? Yeah, that's <laughs> so, true. Or at least severely put them in danger of, of dying. You take all their worldly possessions, which they need to survive. Uh, that's not hurting anybody or not, not hurting anybody. Yeah, it makes you a dick too. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> all right. Well, I mean, it is what it is, I suppose. It, none of it makes any sense. Um, but it wasn't, it wasn't my least favorite episode of the, of the season so far for some reason. And maybe you're right. Maybe because of Hornberger, once they were done with the sort of grift and what, you know, all this information came out, um, that's sort of when it improved a little bit maybe. Um, but I, but for some reason I didn't hate this one as much as some of the others. Yeah. And I mean, that's, that's, I mean, that's really all I, I can say about it. Sort of, uh, I still don't like any of the characters. I still don't believe that these characters would really behave in these ways and exist in this universe. And so there's, there's all those problems in addition to the fact that the, the con was just absolutely bonkers. It was pretty bonkers. Yeah. Yeah. There was something else I was going to say, but I forget what it was, but I'll blurt it out. And while you're in the middle of a sentence a little bit later, if that's okay. All right. Sure. No problem. I do have some other notes about this episode. Um, so Hope has multiple opportunities in this one to tell Elton that she killed his mom, but she doesn't. And I feel like the show is, you know, clearly making them get a little closer, uh, as friends. And so it's either going to go one of two ways. I think um, when it's revealed, when she reveals to him what she did, um, he's either going to feel extra betrayed because she's like now his good friend and it took her so long to tell him, or he's going to feel inclined to forgive her because they're extra good friends and he wants to keep it that way. I don't know how it's going to play out, but I was also, I was kind of just hoping the whole episode, come on, Hope, say it, say it, say it. You got to say it. You got to tell him. You have to tell him what you did, but she doesn't. Yes. Okay. So to tell you what's going to happen, uh, we are playing, this doesn't seem like this type of show, but I believe that we are playing by romantic comedy rules, which means the betrayal will be forgiven once they get close. All right. So they're bringing them closer together. They're becoming good buddies. Who knows what else? And the betrayal will be forgiven. All right. Yes. But what should happen is that the moment she saw that picture of her mom, she should have told him. If she was going to tell him at all, because when you realize you've done something wrong, and she feels like she's done something wrong, even though it is questionable whether what she did was wrong or not, she was protecting herself and her mom. Mm Mm-hmm. Right. Or at least avenging it. She may have been unhinged at the time, but either way, uh, if she was going to tell him, 
It should have happened immediately. When you make a mistake, you own up to it immediately. You don't let it fester because then it gets worse. Correct. Uh, so you immediately own up to it and try and make amends or not, if you can't make amends, at least explain yourself. But having said that, her owning up to it is not going to fix anything. There's no way to fix it. When you admit to making a mistake, it's probably a good idea to try and figure out how to fix the mistake uh, so that it doesn't become an error or the other way around. I sure. forget. Uh, but she can't fix it. Right. No, you can't. His, his mom is dead. The only thing that she's going to accomplish by admitting she killed his mom is she's going to feel better. And that's not a good enough reason to admit to something. Hmm. Well, but it's going to come out eventually. And the way of course it is. The way they're going, everyone's yeah. going to feel bad for a while. Yes, of course it's going to come out because why else would this be a thing mm-hmm. unless it comes out and creates drama, right? But I, I really do believe we're playing by romantic comedy rules, so everything will be forgiven. Okay, well, uh, yeah, I, I think you're probably onto something there. I, I would agree with that. We'll see where it goes. I just wish she'd done it this episode. I'm like, if they- Oh no, God, no. This is going to fester for at least till the finale. Oh, fine. But if there are like two or three opportunities every week for her to like almost say something and she doesn't, that's going to get really tedious. (laughs) More so than it already is. Yeah. You have to, you have to prepare yourself, Chris. Okay. I'll try. (laughs) Speaking of Elton, um, there's a scene where Tony does the little cup and ball trick for him. And then he does the old what's behind your ear trick with the ball. I thought this was the weirdest scene because Elton, the look on his face, he's like genuinely impressed when Tony does the ear thing. And I'm like, okay, that makes sense. It's kind of clever. He grew up in the zombie apocalypse. He doesn't know magic. He's never seen basic magic before. To him, this is like an incredible trick. Except that seconds later, Elton refers to it as sleight of hand and Tony's like, oh, an aficionado of the arts. And I'm like, okay, so he does know what it is. Why was he so impressed by a trick that only fools like toddlers? <laughs> it was, I thought it was, I thought it was weird. So I, well, didn't, I didn't know what they yeah. were going for there, you know? Yeah. I mean, the cup and ball thing is, is funny and you can learn that fairly easily how to, uh, in fact, uh, there's a masterclass by Penn and Teller on that wonderful masterclass that uh, somebody gifted me. I've watched I the gentleman's name. Yeah. Uh, it is fantastic. And they, uh, Penn and Teller actually teach a couple of tricks. The rope cutting one. I, I learned rope. it and did it for my kids. They were impressed. Nice. Yeah. Good work. Yeah. Um, so that, uh, yeah, the three card Monty kind of thing, the illusion where you, uh, uh, you know, if they put money on it, it would be illegal. But if it's just a magic, uh, an illusion, then it's kind of fun. Yep. But uh, it's fairly straightforward to learn. It's even better with Dixie cups. Oh, so much better with Dixie cups. Do you know Why? <laughs> why? Because when you are, when you have the ball in the Dixie cup, you can move things around. When you pick up the Dixie cup, you pinch it and you grab the ball. Yeah. You pick up the cup. It's like, there's nothing in there. No ball. You put it back down. You put down, hey, there's a ball in there. So it's wonderful. Very if you're cool. going to do it, do it with Dixie cups. Not the metal cups that, that Hornberger used because uh, that would be much more difficult. Well, I thought it was a weird scene. Elton seemed impressed and then wasn't. Uh, and then... Let's see. What about the, I was, I just wanted to mention the shadow puppet, um, performance at the end. The, so the episode was bookended with these performances at the beginning. You don't know what it is at the end. It's Tony and Percy doing a shadow puppet performance. I guess this is what they do for some of the communities they, they show up in. And 
my first thought was like, oh, this is so dumb. Why, why are we seeing this? But I paid attention to the shadow puppet performance at the end on my second viewing of this episode. And it was actually kind of good. I don't know if, I don't know if I changed between watching it the first time and the second time or, or what, but it's, it's a performance that depicts the end of the world and then the rebirth of something. So there is a point yeah. to it. There is a theme to it. We see people pushing a stroller, you know, then the zombies take over. We see the stromber, stroller <laughs> rolling away on its own, which is pretty sad, actually, if you consider what, what that means. We see civilization fall because there's all these cars and traffic and then it flips and it's zombies like walking along. And then the family in the, in the show reunites kind of at the end. And then this flower blooms out of the devastation. And I was like, all right, fine world beyond. You sort of made me enjoy this shadow puppet show, which I thought would be the dumbest thing ever, but it wasn't. <laughs> so thank you very much show. I like the shadow puppet thing as well. And I like this kind of thing because when it's done right, it can be really, really good. Like, uh, there's, there's lots of examples of this, like, uh, marionettes, right? Watching, uh, air America or whatever that not air America. That was actually a whole different Nicholas Cage thing, which was actually good. Yeah. Uh, there was, what, what was that movie, uh, uh with the marionettes world police team something? America world team police. America. Yeah. yeah. That was done by, uh, you know, a, a professional marionette uh, artist, but the the guys who directed it uh, kept saying, "No, no, we want we don't want that to look so good. We want them jerking around like they're stupid st puppets on strings, right? We <laughs> want it to look dumb." And so these marionette professionals started doing a worse and worse job because that's what was being asked of them, and it looks like garbage. But that's on purpose. Uh -huh. It's supposed to look like garbage. But when you see, like, do a uh, a YouTube search of marionette uh, stuff. When you see people that know what they're doing and you see it, it is a wonder. And same with Shadow Puppets, which this was, uh, it was done really well, I thought. Mm -hmm. It's the best part of the episode for sure. Or, you know, uh, doing mask or even, uh, you know, actual puppets, like a puppet show. Like not uh, dumb puppet shows, but actual real puppet shows. <laughs> sure. Uh, <laughs> professional, you know, when you have professional uh, artists doing their craft uh, that have spent years doing it, it's really, really good. And it can be really, really good. Or even mask, you know, where you put on a mask and you have, uh, I've talked about this probably endlessly, where, uh, you know, you perform in masks. Yep. And it can be really well done. Like V for Vendetta was essentially uh, a mask performance, right? Even though the mask itself, and this has to do with that shot counter shot thing where uh, depending, like if you have a shot of something and then you cut to the mask, the mask can show a different emotion, even though it has not changed because you know the context has changed. Yeah. So watching, uh, uh, watching V for Vendetta, you can see, uh, I forget what the character's name is, Anonymous or whatever his name was. Uh, you can see the different emotions, even though the mask does not change in the entire movie. And yeah. it was very important to me that he not take that mask off. Yeah, you, and he didn't. You, you talked about this recently on the podcast about another Walking Dead uh, episode. I'm not sure what it was now, but it wasn't that long ago. No, it wasn't that long ago. But yeah, very, very interesting. But you're right. People doing their craft expertly is always good to watch. And the Shadow Puppets, not only was it done well, but it, it depicted something interesting and it had something to say. So yeah. And it had a them. range of emotions as well. 
It did, so, yes. Right? It wasn't just a happy-go-lucky chill, children's puppet show. It was uh, something a little more deep. Totally, nice. totally. Okay, we will get to the post credit scene soon, because that's something we have to talk about. But in terms of the Walking Dead universe, um, I do just want to mention that Tony knows about the CRM. He recognized the, the uh, insignia on um, uh, Felix's jacket. And then he reveals that the truck they're driving was a former CRM truck because the signal was on that too. He's seen helicopters and he's got some sort of plan to get more fuel from them, but he wants to know if Felix can help them get out of trouble if they get into any trouble because he's wearing a CRM jacket. Basically, you know, does Felix have a connection there that, that will help them? So maybe that's something that's going to come up uh, uh, in the future. Right. And then this probably means nothing, but when Tony is introducing the puppet show at the end, he says, we welcome you to the end of the world. And I personally couldn't help but be reminded of the whisperers chanting around, we are the end of the world. <laughs> so I don't know if that has anything to do with anything, but uh, if nothing else, maybe it was just a sort of an Easter egg for the fans. Well, I didn't catch it, but uh, could be an Easter egg. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Okay. Post credits scene, Jason, and I just realized I didn't rem I didn't point this one out to you. So did you see it? I did see it. <laughs> okay, good, excellent. And I, I'm not even sure why. I just I just let it run for whatever reason, and I started doing something else, and it came back. Well, yeah, I should probably pay attention to this. And good thing I did this. And Chris didn't remind me, the bastard. So good well, thing I caught it. I'll try to next time. All right. So we are back with Doctor Belshaw, who we saw in the last post credits scene a couple episodes ago. She's sitting at her desk, she's fiddling with some paper, and she seems to notice the photo and stares at it for a second. So it's the same picture of her and Leo Bennett um, and the two other guys. She reaches into her desk drawer and takes out Leo's report, which is titled Advanced Immunology, What to Know in the Age of the Unknown. And at the top, it says that it's from Nebraska State University Genetic Research Laboratory. Right. Uh, inside the report, which is pretty thick, she finds a drawing of Hope and Iris with a note that says, Dad, hurry up and finish saving the world so you can come home. We love you. So I found this interesting because we've been told on the show that no messages go in or out from the Civic Republic, but obviously this one got in somehow, right? Because- Well, they, obviously they were able to send mail. I, I guess, but- Secret, we've been, secret mail? We've been told no messages, so secret mail, yeah. Um, or maybe he brought it with them. Maybe she, they, they stuffed it in his uh, belongings when he left that he would find later that said, hurry up and come home. Okay, maybe, but I think you're reaching there. I think we're supposed to have been, I think it's supposed to reveal that there were some messages getting through somehow, but you're right. They could have just <laughs> put it uh, in the bottom of his bag and he finds it when he gets there and unpacks, I suppose. You don't, you do, do you do that for your uh, wife and kids when they go away, when you're, uh, you, you're stuck at home for whatever reason? Not that that ever happens anymore, but when it did happen, you'd sneak a note in there saying, <sighs> I love you. Um, no. You, you should. <laughs> nice. But we have put notes occasionally in the kids' lunch that they take to school, and then they find it when they open their lunch and they get there. I mean, oh. mostly when they were younger. I mean, you do that to a kid in grade eight, and it's kind of embarrassing probably for them. But, uh, um, you know, the first day of school, when the kids in grade four, they go, they eat their lunch, they get in 
they get a note. It's like, oh, isn't that nice? We did that a few I ha- times. I haven't put any, I should uh, put some notes in Jasper's lunch. I haven't done that yet. He yeah. can't read, but somebody will read it to him, right? Of course. Soon enough. Soon enough he'll be able to read. <laughs> oh, he's starting already. He knows uh, they're working on their beginning letters. Good. So uh, he's uh, he's pretty good. Good. Excellent. But, uh, yeah, he can't read a note saying, Jasper, I love you. Uh, he probably would recognize the Jasper. Maybe I should just write Jasper and a heart. Oh, that's a great idea. I'm going to do that tomorrow. All right. Good idea. Back to this scene. So the phone rings while she's sitting there. She, uh, answering it, I thought she seemed surprised, like she wasn't expecting a phone call, but I don't know. Well, I mean, this is in, uh, well, it's not in this day and age, but in this day and age, if the phone rings, that's crazy, right? <laughs> I mean, I guess my mom calls me, so I'm not all that shocked. Wow, that but... does that's not surprising, but you know, when I always feel weird, like especially at work, if you just call somebody out of the blue, it's like, no, you don't do that. You schedule a time or say, hey, are you free? Can I call you? Because you're chatting all the time, but mm. just fucking calling somebody, so weird, it's bonkers. <laughs> <laughs> well, her phone rings. She answers it. She's surprised and maybe a bit nervous, I thought, to be talking. Um, And she says, yes, I'm still working on that. But of course, it will be taken care of by the time they arrive. Dr. Bennett won't be a problem. His security detail won't be either. Thank you, Lieutenant Colonel. All right. So we know that she's talking to Lieutenant Colonel Elizabeth Kublek, who is. Uh, There's probably more than one Lieutenant Colonel. Oh, fine. I didn't think of that, but you're probably right. But within the context of the show, come on. She's talking to the lieutenant colonel that we know. Well, you have one lieutenant colonel that does two different things. One is uh, going out and liaising with uh, outlying communities and in charge of the research. I don't know. It's pretty pretty big stretch in my uh, mind. I think it's like who saved Morgan. It's got to be somebody we know. It's not going to be someone new. But yeah, you're probably right. Theor- theoretically, you could be should correct. be should have named her by name then instead of just uh, Lieutenant Colonel because that's a bit ambiguous and uh, it's quite the leap to think it's the same Lieutenant Colonel. Okay, fine, you're right. Um, now speaking of uh, the security detail for Doctor Bennett, we know that that is Felix's husband, Will. He's right. the one who went, and then she says, "By the time they arrive, who arrives? The kids." Uh, how do they know they're coming? Do they know they're coming? I guess they might. They probably do because Lieutenant Colonel <laughs> Elizabeth gave them the, the map. So that's sort of a, a hint that they might hit the road. Um, but what does she mean by Dr. Bennett won't be a problem? Well, I don't know. Maybe he's, um. And what is it that she's still working on? It will be taken care of by the time they arrive. I don't know. All sorts of questions here. He's got a really bad case of diarrhea and she's trying to help him out, (laughs) you know, and that kind of thing could really affect your security detail too, depending on how close they have to be to protect you at any given time. I mean, that might be bad. Certainly not fun, not a fun job for that person. (laughs) No. So maybe he's got some severe gastrointestinal issues that she's trying to help him out with. We don't know. It could be anything. It could be. So this, this is all just questions. I think the only thing that this really tells us and even this isn't for sure, but that Leo Bennett is alive, right? Yes, because uh, zombies very rarely have security details. Exactly, exactly. Um, You know, saying that he won't be a problem doesn't mean he's alive, but 
yeah, security detail. That seems to indicate to me that 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 Will is still working with him, and therefore Bennett is alive. So, um, you know, I feel like that you could easily assume that anyways, because if these kids do get to New York and get to this place and he's dead, that's going to be really anticlimactic, I think. They need to get there when he's still living. So you could probably guess that, but this, I think, pretty much confirms it, um, while at the same time posing a whole bunch of different questions about what the hell's going on. Right. And at the very least, at this time, she's not eating a sandwich like an asshole. <laughs> Yes, exactly. Exactly. And I think on the last post credit scene, I was so hyper-focused on that sandwich that I failed to recognize the act- actress. This time I did, because she wasn't eating a sandwich like an asshole. It's like, oh, I know her. She was in uh, uh, The Leftovers. Do you remember her from The Leftovers? I love The Leftovers, but no, who was she? Uh, she was in a few episodes. Uh, let's see here. Young Mother and Sam's Mother. It's just a bit part, it seems like. And oh. uh, where else did I see her on... Uh, Rubicon. That was a TV series on AMC way back in 2010. Um, oh yeah. Didn't that have Lenny, only... ja- Lenny James too? Is that the one with the other one on AMC with Morgan? Uh, do, 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 do. I'm not I'm sure. Looking... He did another I don't one. see it. Okay. Anyway, I liked Rubicon. It was, it was canceled after one season. I don't think it had Lenny James on it. Okay. Well, there was not one. in the main cast. Well, anyways, uh, I didn't know the actress who plays, um, Dr. Belshaw, but, uh, you know, she's, I think playing an important part here, although she hasn't left that room yet. <laughs> it would be nice to see her somewhere else. <laughs> eh, I mean, lots of people play characters that don't leave rooms. That's true. It's very true. But. I can't think of one, but that's okay. Well, after the phone call, um, she hangs up and she just kind of sits there staring straight through the window that's in front of her desk into what I assume is the same area we saw in the last post credit scene where all the test subject walkers were. Um, and as the camera kind of pulls back a bit, we hear a clanging sound, a whole bunch of walker noises, and we cut to black. So there's something going on in there, some other walkers uh, yeah. or test subjects. Sure. So lots more questions on this one, but they're slowly revealing more information about the CRM and... Uh, you know, it's got to go somewhere and mean something. And if this is where Rick is, it's all going to tie in together somehow. Um, and I'm looking it'd forward be, to it. It'd be fun if they showed Rick as a zombie and we're like, holy shit. And then uh, with the movies are how he got that way. That would be really cool. There are rumors out there that Rick is going to appear in the season finale of this show. Um, you know, the... The people at AMC and involved in the creation of this show have come out and said, no, that's not happening. But, you know, they don't, they don't tell the truth. So you never know what might happen. Well, yeah. I mean, it's not always up to the writers, right? (laughs) No, exactly. It's not always up to them. (laughs) (laughs) It gives me hope. You know, what I'm thinking of is uh, the dictionary, right? Even if somebody invents a word, it's not really up to them how people use it. Uh, No. Like the guy who invented GIF, right? The graphic interchange format. Yep. Uh, it's, it's pronounced GIF the world over. And, uh, the creator of the GIF said, you idiots, it's pronounced GIF. I created it. It's my word. It's pronounced GIF. Does that make him right? Not necessarily. No. We can use it however we want. He, well, he may say it's pronounced GIF, but the letter G disagrees. It's pronounced GIF. 
I, I agree with that. And uh, I just watched a video on YouTube about this uh, recently <laughs> where like they did a study of all the words that contain the letter G and they compared how many soft G's versus hard G's and uh, 90% of the words that have a G in it that are in common use today have a hard G. Yeah. It's overwhelmingly GIF. <laughs> we don't say GIFT, you know, I've given here's a GIFT. <laughs> no. Right? Exactly. <laughs> uh, so. That would be weird. So what I'm saying is that, uh, sure, the writers might have an idea of what's supposed to happen, but Rick could show up. It could happen. He could. Yeah. I'm, I'm very curious. I want to see Rick back on screen, whether it's in movies. No, nah, I mean, not so much on this show because I don't like it. But uh, if he does, if he shows up on the end, at the end of this show, oh my God, that's going to be exciting. People are going to flip their bananas about that, myself included. Yeah. I mean, it also could be, you know, a... Uh, you know, a layer of uh, disinformation that they're sowing here. Like, no, oh, Rick's not going to show up in this show. Mm-hmm. That's stupid. Yeah. Even though that's the plan all along, right? Uh, that could be the plan all along. Now, what if they do something like show some character from the back and, oh, it looks like Rick, but they didn't show his face. So is it really? I don't know. I could see these jerks doing something like that. If you have a stand-in that looks like somebody and they put it on screen from the back, do you still have to pay the actor that it's supposed to represent? Because it's obviously, like, if they show Rick, do you have to still have to pay Andrew Lincoln? Because it's obviously fucking Andrew Lincoln's image that they're trying to replicate. I don't know. Probably not, right? Probably but, not, yeah. So, And, you know, chances are, you know, Andrew Lincoln doesn't own the Rick Grimes likeness. <laughs> Definitely not, no. So, yeah, they can do whatever they want. They can. But they can't, you know, create a uh, a CGI Rick Grimes and put that on screen. That's a whole other thing, right? If they put a uh, a CGI character on for someone that is actually alive and uh, a working actor, the shitstorm that would happen from that is probably going to be grand. Oh, I bet it is. I'll I'll bet you it depends on what it says in his contract between himself and AMC. So I don't even know if that matters, right? If they took somebody's, you know. Uh, if instead of hiring the actor, they just built a CGI version of him to do it and then not pay the actor, there'd be a lawsuit. I think somebody would complain for sure. Yes. Yeah. All right. Well, that is The Walking Dead World Beyond, episode six. Um, we're slowly inching towards <laughs> New York, towards the end of the season and towards more information about the CRM. And towards a a sigh of relief at the end. A sigh of relief. (sighs) It's over. Only three more weeks, Jason. (laughs) I know. It's okay. I said I would stop complaining, and I mean it, starting now. All right, starting right now. We will hold you to that. Uh, About this one thing. I'm going to complain about other stuff, I'm sure. Oh, of course. I'll stop complaining about this one thing. I'm not just going to blanket say I'm going to stop complaining, because that'd be crazy. We know you'd be lying if you tried to say that. (laughs) It's true. All right. Well, coming up next week on the podcast, we have more episodes of these two shows to talk about. We have Fear the Walking Dead, episode six. This one's titled, <laughs> Jason, Bury Her Next to Jasper's Leg. I don't like that. Um, once again, you references your son's name. It's not the first time this has happened. Well, this is not a nice way to do it. That other one was just referencing a rock. This is about somebody's leg. Bury her next to Jasper's leg. So we're going to have to find out what that means. I'm, you know, but it, you're right. It doesn't sound quite as nice. I don't like it. All right. 
uh, World Beyond next week is episode seven, and it's called Truth or Dare. Mm. And oh my God, if that means what I think it does, I'm, I am not excited because you know the game Truth or Dare. Kids sit around, <laughs> play Truth or Dare. I could see these kids doing that on this show, and is that going to make for compelling TV? We'll have to see. I have some very specific and weird memories of playing Truth or Dare. So yes, I'm aware of it. No, I do not want to watch a bunch of kids playing Truth or Dare. I don't want to watch anybody playing Truth or Dare. Well, I don't want to play Truth or Dare anymore either. No, I don't either. What? Uh, um, I don't want to tell the truth, nor do I want to do anything that somebody dares me to do. Like There's just none of that that I have any interest in whatsoever. Nope, doesn't sound fun at all. Yet kids around the world have been doing it since the beginning of time. Well, I think the thing is we've done it in the past and we're over it, right? And with it. I think the uh, uh, the pressure to make friends by doing that or maintaining friendships by uh, being, you know, trying to get out, get, trying to make somebody go outside of their comfort zone and willingly going outside of your own comfort zone. I can see the value of that, uh, you know, social interaction, uh, friend friendship building, that kind of thing, but I'm fucking beyond that. Forget it. it. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Gaining, uh, the confidence of a new friend just ain't worth it. No, not at our age, but here's, here's, let me pose this to you. Sure. What if the truth about Elton's mom is revealed through this game of truth or dare somehow? Well, that's probably exactly what they're going for. I don't think it will come out, but I think we will skirt that edge. In this episode specifically, tell me who you killed. It's like, well, I don't know how they would do it. They'd have to do it more cleverly than that because I'm not clever like a screenwriter. But I think we are going to get right up to that line, but we'll not cross it. Okay. All right. Well, we'll have to see next week when we cover that episode, Truth or Dare, World Beyond Episode 7. In the meantime, though, if you want to get in touch with us, we would love to hear from you. You can do that, of course, by visiting our website at talkingdeadpodcast.com. Click on send voicemail at the top and you can record a message right into your computer. You can check us out on Facebook at facebook.com slash the talking dead. I've been posting these videos that AMC has been releasing of the cast of the main show doing virtual scene readings like it was rehearsals for the 10.5 episodes that are, that they're working on right now. And they're kind of fun. I must admit they're kind of neat. So if you haven't seen those, go over to our Facebook page, scroll down, you know, through the posts and you'll see these videos. Um, it's, it's fun. You see the cast in their homes, basically, I assume they're all on like a Skype call or a zoom call. And one of them is being, the the narrator like describing the scenes while the others are running their lines with each other and it's kind of fun i i like watching it so if you're into that go check that out is it past episodes or future episodes future episodes so they're using it as like teasers almost like little teaser trailers for what's coming up in season 10.5 it's kind of cool i don't think i like that are there any spoilers or are they trying to be as spoiler free as they can i mean it's conversations between characters whose circumstances we are aware of. So you could easily consider some of it spoilers. Um, I guess I won't mention it here, but yes, technically it's spoilers, but how is like a trailer of new footage from the upcoming season, not just the same thing? 
right? Yes. So, but so, you actually see the uh, the actual event, not just a table read of it, though. Yeah, I know, but that's what I mean. Like, if they're going to show you clips from something upcoming, versus act and and you know clips and actors delivering lines, right? That they've filmed. This is just they're doing the same thing, but they haven't filmed it yet. So it's like a yeah. table reading. It's like a rehearsal. It's not only I, do I see it as kind of the same thing, but it's also a bit of a peek behind the curtain, I think, because you don't normally see them doing these table readings, and I think it's kind of fun, actually. I have a problem with this, but I'm not, and I'm not, you know, I don't have a problem for anybody else. I just, I have a problem of, uh, to the point where I don't think I'll watch these. And that's fine. Well, that's fair, yeah. And I'm trying to figure out exactly why. Uh, I think it has to do with the same thing, uh, the same reason I tend not to watch uh, bloopers or right. outtakes. Right. Because I don't, if I want to watch, I like the characters. If I like the characters, I want to see the characters. Uh, I don't necessarily want to have the actors intrude on my my character enjoyment. Well, that's the difference because they, they are in character in a, in a way, right? They're delivering lines as their characters. You know, you yep. you have... Uh, Lauren Cohan doing her, you know, American accent. You've got uh, um, Ezekiel speaking the way he speaks. Um, Kari Payton. Yeah. Um, they're not in costume though, so they don't. No, of course not. They don't look like the characters. They look like the real people, and that's probably problematic for you. Yes, and I think it might have to do with the fact that it's pre-filmed. If it was after, if I watched them after the actual filming of it, it might be more enjoyable watching, uh, they're not necessarily outtakes, but they're just kind of, they're table reads. And I kind of like watching table reads, mm -hmm. uh, after I've seen the episode of whatever they're reading, which is, they never release table reads from before they release an episode. This being the exception kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, even though it's more, uh, trailery, like you say, um, so after the fact, I could go probably go back and watch it. And I might, because one of the things I enjoy about this whole COVID bullshit is that when you see interviews of people, they're in their actual houses. Yeah. I find that fascinating to see what people's houses look like. Uh, you know, whether it's a staged house or not, I don't know, but I'm thinking that it's not because these people are kind of, they're kind of stuck at home, same as me and you. Uh, so I like kind of seeing what their houses are, even though they're curated backdrops, right? They're like, I'm not going to show you, I'm not going to pan the camera to show the fucking pile of laundry that's right over there. <laughs> I'm going to stay in this goddamn corner. Sure. Uh, so that you don't know what I, my real life is like. Sure. Yeah. I see my uh, projected life. It's the persona I project. Anyway. I would like to kind of see that, but I have a problem with this, uh, personally, and I don't think I'll watch that. All right. Well, that's fair. You know, if you, everyone make up their own mind. And if you want to check it out, it's, it's over on our Facebook page. You can probably find them other places too, but I thought they were kind of neat, but you know, I understand. Um, just before we, we finish, Jason, if you're interested, Coleman Domingo has been doing a, a show from his house. It's like brunch with Coleman Domingo or something like that. And, um, that might be fun for you to watch cause he's in his own house and um, Jeffrey Dean Morgan and his wife do something similar too on AMC where they broadcast from their home and they have right. guests on. And so you get to see their house and they, they have a cool uh, living arrangement because they live on a farm, like a working farm in some little town in upstate New York. Nice. Uh, which is kind of cool. So 
those things are out there if you want to see some of our Walking Dead friends who uh, are broadcasting shows from their own homes. Cool. Yeah. All right. Um, where were we? I guess to finish up here, if you'd like to email us <laughs> about anything you heard today or anytime, you can do that to talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com. So there you go. little uh, aside there in the middle of the contact us section at the end. But, but <laughs> that's okay. That's fine. All right. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in. Until next time, my name is Chris. My name is Jason. Thanks for listening. Ciao.